Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to uh, read the verses that we'll be covering today, and, uh, and then we'll take it verse by verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Father, we again thank you for your word this morning. And as we dive into your word Holy Spirit, illuminate your word to us in an individual way. Speak to our hearts, but also as a body here that we call Calvary Chapel. Just speak to our hearts. Encourage us. This is, these are words of exhortation. These are words that you've given to Paul to give to us by your spirit to, to bring to light the things that need to change. Encourage us in the areas that have been changed. But Lord, most of all, let us draw close to you and one another through this teaching. In Jesus' name, we all say. Amen. If you remember, the book of Ephesians, uh, many see it as just broken into two parts. First three chapters is what God has done for you as a child of God. The, the, the blessings, the pouring out, the wealth of his blessings are poured out upon you as a child of God. You've been adopted into the family. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit as a believer. It's just a beautiful life as a child of God as we live here on this earth, waiting for our Lord and Savior to take us home. What a beautiful thing that is. But as a child of God, God the Father has expectations of his children. And so he says, it gives to Paul here by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in chapters, and we say chapters four through six, or the remaining of the epistle, the remaining of this letter that God had given Paul. These are the things you must do as your child, as his child. These are the things you must see that are part of your life. This is your behavior on a daily basis, not just Sundays, but every day, throughout the day, 24-7. These are the things that God expects of us in our life as we live to please our Lord. That is it. Whereas a child of God, we just want to please our Father. And everything we say and do, wherever we go, the things where we're God takes us and the desires he puts on our hearts, making sure it's his desires, not the desires of this world or of our flesh, but to allow God to do this work. And so as we see and we continue in this last part is an exhortations. These are, these are things that are commandments. These are things that we bring light to us that we must see. Is this part of my life? Is this who I am? Is this what people see in my life? Is this, this, is, is this really who I am as a child of God? And Paul continues here, we see here, we've uh, certainly over the, the teaching so far, we talked about, and even in chapter 4, about the unity of, 
uh, in Christ, the unity as our brothers and sisters in, the, in Christ. But we also saw about walk in purity. Not only walk in unity, but walk in purity. That's our, God's expectation for us, is that we would walk in purity with him and that our lives would be reflected, that we've gotten rid of the old man. We've gotten rid of that old person, the old smelly, rotten, stinky, sinful clothes. We've gotten rid of those things, and we desire to put on his robe of righteousness, put on the newness of that in the new creation that he has made us, and that we would want to live differently. As a child of God, you do not want to live like you used to live when before you became a child of God. And then if you do, you must question if you're really born again, if you really have been regenerated. Because if you desire and think you can continue to live like you used to live before you came to Christ, you've been, you've been fooled, the scriptures say. You've been, you've been bewitched, the scriptures say, if you remember in the first three chapters. Come, come, don't fool yourselves. Don't let anyone else fool you. Just come to the Lord and recognize that the Lord says, you must change. And he's willing to help you through that change. And he's faithful to complete that change in you when you surrender your life completely. So he says here, remember, you remember in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Paul says, you know, you know I, I, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And then 417, yeah, 417, um, or even you know, 424, put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness. Even 17, 417, he says, testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk in the rest of the Gentiles' walk in the fertility of their minds. I mean, there's got to be a change of the mind. There has to be a change of the heart. And Paul continues here in, in, in chapter 5 where we're then to walk in love and walk in love for, for our God and be imitators there. Verse 1, imitators of God as the children of God. But also we have to love one another. We want to desire to love one another. And when we see these changes taking place in our lives and God's doing a work, we see there in verse 8 through 14, and we talked last week about being, being able to walk in light. There's no, there's no darkness in our life. There's nothing to be ashamed of or secret of. We, we're able to be just who we are and transparent in the light and, the, and the, there's a love that comes from our lives and people can see it and there's nothing for you to pretend. There's no facades. There's no pretending like one way on Sunday and on a Monday and at work you're a different person and at home you're at a different person. It should not be. It's freedom, isn't it? To be who you are and just be consistent all seven days and not have to pretend and do the, it just because you're you're so grounded, so founded in who God is in your life and who you are as a child of God. There's peace, there's joy, there's rest for your soul in these things that we've been studying. Now today we're going to see the walk in wisdom. We're going to see how important it is to make wise choices, to, 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 uh, to make different choices and the, and, the, and the reasons for those. And Paul here outlines seven key things just in these, seven, these few verses here, seven things that you and I have to take note of if we're walking in wisdom or not. Or why we need to be thinking about this walking in wisdom and how that plays out here. Because as Paul stated as a child of God and walking in the light, these old habits of lying, these old habits of acting out of anger, those old habits of, of stealing and, and, and old habits of, of leading others astray with your words and your actions, that, that, that just gonna, it needs to fade away in Christ. 
That's not, it's not to be who you are any longer. Instead, we're not to be partakers with them. We're not to be sitting down and partaking of it daily. We have to say, no longer push away from that table of, of lying. Put, push away from the table of anger. Put, push away from these things. It's just partakers of disobedience. We don't want to be disobedient. We want to be obedient child, children of God. We want to be imitators. We want to look at our Heavenly Father and say, I want to be just like Him. And I want to mimic His character. I want to mimic how He responds to certain situations. I'm mimicking how His thoughts are about certain things. And then God does this work. The Spirit of God comes into us and effectively changes us. And He says, get up. Get moving. He referred to it in verse 14. Awake, awake, arise. Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Get up. Start moving. And as you start moving, God is going to give you the spiritual initiatives to do the things he wants you to do for him. That will glorify him and praise him and, and bring to light to who he is in your life. Some people say, I don't know what the will of God is. We're going to learn about this. But you just have to spend time with him. He's going to give you the desires, his desires on his heart, on your heart to be able to. Then you have to get up and you've got to move. You got to do. But he starts here in verse 15. One of the key things he says is, is so see then. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Walking is what we've been seeing all the way through since chapter 4. Walking means to live, behave. What is your actions that are coming from your life? How are you walking in day to day throughout the day and regardless of the situation you find yourself in? Paul says walk circumspectly. Circumspectly means to accurately, to precisely, carefully. See that, as we see in the Greek word there, akrobos, is to look around, to look all the way around you, to look carefully, precisely, a very straight, uh, straight uh, line that you're to stay on that line. Don't be diverted from that. Don't be blinded. Don't be walking around blindly in life and just living however the wind blows you. Oh, the wind's blowing me this way. Let me go that way today. Oh, I'm feeling the blow this way. I'm, going, I'm just going to sway over here and do that today. No, no. He says, walk circumspectly. Take a look all around you. Be wise of what you're doing and how you're doing and what you're hearing and saying and the things and places you go. Be not as fools. Because that's how fools do it. They walk in darkness. They wander around in the dark. You ever gotten up in the middle of the night and you're trying to find the bathroom? Yes, by memory, you know how to get to the bathroom with your eyes closed at night. But you have a tendency to stub your toes and bump into walls and say, oh, who closed that door this time? I didn't expect to be closed. You, you're blinded by the foolishness of the things of this world. But Paul's saying here to, be, to the, the Ephesian believers here, don't walk like fools, but walk wise. See that you walk carefully with exactness and, 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 and don't... Don't just be stumbling around in life. Paul is saying, be vigilant. 
that you're not blindsided, that you're not going to be tricked by the things of the world or your flesh, but to walk carefully, skillfully, because as you walk this line, the precise line, this path that, you, that God has you on, you won't go to the left. You won't go back into the world. You won't go into carnality to the left or to the right. You'll just stay right on course. Because you realize as you look around your life and you see that things are trying to come after you, you will notice very precisely people and Satan and the world and the flesh will try to pull you off that course. You'll, know, you'll be going like this through life, and it's just wearisome. It, it just draws you, it just, dra it just drains you when you're constantly not walking in the spirit of wisdom. But allowing the things of this world and your flesh to have way too much say, way too much say in how you live. He's saying, don't walk in your sleep. Wake up. Open your eyes. Make the most of the day. So it's sad, so many times Christians just, they come to the Lord, they're saved, but they just, they drift through life. Like sleepwalkers. Where are you going? What's the Lord showing you? I don't know. I'm just going to go with it, man. Whatever I feel like today. I got liberty. Spend my money however I want to. I can live where I want to. I want to behave however I want to. I can act like I ever want to. God forgives me. It's grace of God, man. God's saying, walk circumspectly. Walk in, like a wise man, like a wise woman. Don't walk foolishly like you used to before you came to Christ. Why? He tells us, verse 16. Redeeming the time. This is the second thing. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Not only are you supposed to be walking circumspectly, wisely, how you walk every day, wisely dis discerning what you should be doing or not should be doing for the Lord, but also redeeming the time. Or The time means keros. The word keros means to, to, to the seasons, the opportunities, the moment in time. Redeem, purchase the time here. Don't waste time. As a child of God, do not waste time. Don't be wasting your time on the things of this world. Because you're not of this world. Seasons are coming and going. Do you realize they're coming and going faster? If you're, if you're 50 here and older, you know how fast time goes by. <laughs> right? It speeds up fast. It's, it's shocking to think we're already... Physically, as they say, in the season of fall, but it's a season of life. How did we get to 50 and older? It's in our minds. We think we're still in the 20s or something sometimes. But what have I done with the time that God has given me? What have I done to, to, for his kingdom is the question here. A wise person who's walking circumspectly, understanding and walking wisely, is not going to waste the time that God wants him to have to do the things for God. He wants you to purchase this time. Everyone says, oh, I can, if I can just find more time. Let me give you a newsflash, my brothers and sisters. You don't have more time. You have 24 hours in a day. You have... 
You have 60, 60 minutes in, a, in an hour. You cannot make more time. The question is, is what are you doing with the time that God has given you? And if you're really redeeming the time and wanting to spend your time wisely to do the things that God's called you to do, you will put away anything that competes with that. That is not going to give you eternal uh, rewards. That are not going to help the kingdom of God. That's not showing and reaching the lost in this world. Because the evil days are here. What are you doing with the opportunities that God gives you? The way for this careful, precise walk is making the right use of every opportunity that God gives you to serve him. Because the brevity, the shortness of life is speeding right along. And if you really think about the brevity of life, the shortness of life, how quickly life can pass in front of you. It is a very strong argument for making the best use of the opportunities that God has given you to serve him. I don't have much longer. I need to do this for the Lord. When you're young, you think you have your whole life in front of you. But as you get older, you realize your life gets shorter and shorter and shorter, and you don't have as many years to be able to serve God and to please your Lord in the things he's called you to do. Because remember in chapter 4, he has a calling on your life. What is that calling? And he wants you to do that calling. He wants to empower you to do that calling. He wants you to be energized to do that calling he puts on your life. Because we live in an evil day, a dark time, a morally corrupt society. Remember in Paul's time, what was, the, what was coming? What was the dark, the dark cloud that was coming upon Paul in his day? The Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was coming so bad that you, any opportunity to reach someone and to share the gospel with them was coming to a close because when the, the darkness comes and they start killing you and taking your head off, it's very difficult to be open and honest about who Jesus Christ is. But the Roman persecution was coming. And the darkness of time is coming, the evil day is coming, and we have to use that time wisely. We need to redeem this time, and we need to make it a, a so effective for the, be so effective for the Lord to go out and reach those who are lost. How foolish it is to waste opportunities to win the lost when soon those opportunities might be taken away by the advances of the sin in the society of a culture. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says, But now this, that the last days perilous times will come. Speaking of our time today. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And in verse 5, if you remember, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. My brothers and sisters, 
in those times, darkness was coming. It was evil days. God says today in end times, at these last days, perilous times will come. And he depicts exactly what happens within the society. But if you notice and remember, he says those will have a form of godliness. These are people who have a form of religion or a form of sense of they think they have a relationship with God, but continue to live completely contrary to the word of God. Because when you become selfish and self-imploding as these, these, this description of unholy and boasters and love of our money is and all this stuff, that is someone who does not serve God. They serve themselves. And God says that cannot be. And we must be on alert because the evil day is upon us. That's why Paul says he's redeem it. And redeem is by integrating the Lord into whatever you do through the day. That's how you redeem the, the time. You have 24 hours in a day. Integrate the Lord in everything you do, wherever you, think, wherever you go and the people you interact. Integrate that into your life. It should be like breathing for you. It should be so natural. You don't even know you're doing it. It just... The, the light will be shining from your life. The love will be poured out like living water to everyone around you. It should be like breathing, my brothers and sisters. Redeem the time. In verse 17, he says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So the third thing that we see of the seven is understanding. We certainly have walking we have redeeming now we should be walking or should be understanding what the will of the lord is to consider what his 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 will is for your life to gain insight from god what his will is for your life what is god's will god what is your will for my life have you not asked that question well, he answered it back in chapter four, 4, verses 17 through 32. He wants you and I to walk in purity. Just walk in purity. That's God's desire for you and I. That's his purpose for you and I. That is his intent for you and I, is to walk in purity with him. To walk in purity of this life. That's our behavior. That's who we are. Rather than being foolish, as he says here, not to be senseless, not, not to be unwise. But Christians are to understand, to comprehend intellectually what the Lord's will is for your life. And then only after one understands what the will of God is for their life, is then to want to desire to please God and to carry it out in his life or her life according to what God wants for you to do. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that is, that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Colossians 1, 9 says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Understanding means to 
that our minds will discover and do the will of God. We're not leaning on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledging him and letting him direct our paths on a day-to-day basis. Because we want his understanding. We want to know his direction. We just want to be obedient and just respond to what he's showing us for us to do according to his will and purpose for our lives. But too many Christians have the idea that discovering God's will is some mystical experience that, that, that it's just hard to have. You'll never figure it out. And, and it's just out of your touch and reality. And it's just, it's just clear thinking. But that's just not right. It's not true. It's actually very dangerous and very wrong for you or I to have a mindset that says, oh, God's will, I can just go as I go and how I feel, and I just kind of ride the wave through the life, man, and just how I can do whatever I want. God's just going to somehow support me in what I want. He'll do, I just ring the bell, he just kind of, I beg him to come and help me do what I want to do. And when it doesn't happen, I get really upset and I ring the bell a little louder. Maybe God didn't hear me. Versus stopping and saying, God, is this really your will? Am I forcing the door open? Am I making this happen? Am I going to control this? And I'm going to move everyone out of the way so I can make it happen because I want it my way. And never stop as a Christian and say, boy, am I striving to obtain these things? Because where you strive to obtain, you will strive to maintain, and it's not of God. And so God says, seek after understanding what the will of the Lord is for your life. Gain insight. Understand. If God gave you a mind, then he expects to use it. This means we are to learn his will involves gathering facts, examining them, weighing them, praying on them. Saying, God, is this of you? Is this in line with your scripture? Is this what you're putting in the desire of my heart? And then taking the steps of faith as God leads you and empowers you to do that. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives to all liberally without reproach. And it will be given to him. So you must ask. As a Christian, you must as a ch- come to God and ask. God, is this, what, is this right? Is this good? Because God doesn't want us simply to know his will. He wants us to understand his will. Why I always ask, God, is this of your will? But then don't stop there. Go in the next step. But God, help me understand why this is your will and what you're going to do, where you're taking me with this. What do I need to do next? Paul alluded to this plan in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. If God saved me, he has a purpose for my life, and I will discover that purpose and then guide my life accordingly. He will reveal his plan through his word, Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10. His spirit will be put in place in our hearts of how and what we need to do, Colossians 3, 15. The working of the circumstances. He'll work our circumstances in a way to get his desire, his, his plan in your life to be worked out. Romans 8.28. 
the Christian can walk carefully and accurately because he knows what God wants him to do. And there's such peace and there's such joy when God shows you clearly his will for your life and shows you what he's spiritually gifted you to do and he shows you the direction he's going and he'll take faith because you know if it's a faith, it's going to take you to be stretched. If you can see it all played out, you can see the five-year plan, then it's not a faith. It's not of God. You, it's going to take a step of faith, but you're going to have to take that spiritual initiative to put it in forward. We see that in Matthew, remember, when we come up to the man with the withered hand, the hand that was just dead. And what did they say to him? Stretch out your hand. That man had, living with that hand, had to take a step of faith and literally stretch out his hand. And when he stretched out his hand, what happened? That's when the healing took place. There are times where God is saying, I want you to stretch out your hand. And it goes completely against everything you thought, personally you thought could ever happen. Because you've been dealing with the withered hand, that, that sin in your life for so many years, you just don't think that, how could that ever get out of my life? And God calls you and I to just stretch out your hand and he will heal you. But you have to believe in God's word. You must believe who God is and what he wants to do in your life because he wants no sin in your life. He already paid the penalty for that sin. Now come to him and he will give you freedom. But now we see in verse 18, practically played out here, in these next few verses, Paul says, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is, is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit. Filling with the Spirit, or, or to accomplish something, to make full, to complete. Drunkenness, drunk that is an influence that it will take over your mind. A drunk is someone who loses their senses, their full senses. They're not complete anymore in their senses. They're not complete in their right mind any longer. And drunk, Paul says, do not be drunk with wine because you're causing an influence or altering your state of mind where you're not going to be able to hear and to receive the clarity and the wisdom from God. Because in that culture, that they used to worship the goddess of the wine. They used to have idols of wine. They, they lived for drinking of wine. It was a drunken state in, in Ephesus. And God says, we cannot have a society in drunkenness because it will alter your mindset. And it could not even be wine. It could be any drug that you take to alter your mind because you're trying to find something to bring you to a high or to a low or whatever it is that drives you. Because you don't have the peace of God. Or the joy of the Lord. Remember, the joy of the Lord will be your strength, not another glass of wine. 
What's dispensation? That word is, means debauchery. It means wildness or wastefulness. Paul is saying to them, stop getting drunk. Stop altering your mind. It's just wasteful time for you. It is not going to be helpful for you. You are not going to be able to redeem the time. You're not going to be able to walk straight circumvently. You're not going to be able to walk wisely. You're going to be a fool. You remember the days? No, you don't. Hopefully you don't. <laughs> I hope you don't remember these days. Remember when you were driving, you found driving and drinking and driving? What did they used to do? They didn't have a little machine that you could put it to your mouth and say, you are just, you just popped off the, the, off the radar screen here. They used to get you out of the car, and what did they make you do? Walk a straight line. Right? Amen. Because you had to walk a straight line. Walk circumspectly. You couldn't go off to the left or to right and think you're going to pass. You were, it was going to reveal to your life of who you are, and that is you're a drunk state of driving in this life. But put away the drunk state. Put away the wasteful, distilled spirits. And Paul says, deep, drink deeply of the dynamic spirit of the Holy Spirit. You want to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. You do not want to be influenced by alcohol. Because when the Holy Spirit influences and intoxicates you, there's going to be such joy, such peace, and such stability in your life, you will be able to walk in wisdom. You will not be a fool. And we see here this, 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 um, the verb here, this, this is an active verb or a, a, a present tense verb of being filled. It means to constantly be filled. Yes, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit when you get saved. Yes, you're, you're going to live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. But we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the commentators once said, why do you need to constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit? Is because he said, his response was, because I leak. I leak through the week. I make mistakes. The world impacts me. My flesh rears up when I'm hungry and, and tired and, and, and my flesh becomes weak and, and all of a sudden the flesh comes up. I leak. I need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit to be able to walk this life that's pleasing to Him. So Paul is saying here, this repeated experience is to brought to light, to, be, to, be, to, to, to know that, that we need to be filled that we need to understand the Holy Spirit wants to fill us afresh, to keep us empowered to walk daily in, uh, in his, in his, in, according to his ways. But just as important, we must observe that filling is a commandment for us to, be, to obey. It's not an option here. Paul is saying it is not an option to be asking for the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit as you walk today. It's a commandment for you and I. Believers are commanded to be filled constantly with the Holy Spirit. That is how we walk wisely. 
And to walk wisely is one that is characterized by the Holy Spirit's control over one's life. So one of the questions we always ask is then, how can someone be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, there's two prerequisites to be filled with the Holy Spirit. One is to simply confess a sin. Is there any sinful thing in my life that is hindering and, and, and grieving the Holy Spirit to be able to be filled by the Holy Spirit? And if there's any wicked way in me, Lord, reveal it to me because I want to get repent of it. I want to change my mind on that. I want to get it out of my life. And the second prerequisite to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to yield to the Lord. To yield to God and allow God to direct your life. Give up your master, being the master of your life. Let him be the Lord of your life and let him direct your life. Yield. We are to agree with God's view about our sin. We are to agree. The Bible says this. I agree with it. If the Bible does not say it, then you, there's, you don't agree with it. And not only are you in agreement with God's view of our sin, but we're to dedicate self to God. And the believer who chooses to obey him is filled with the Spirit and able to manifest that Christian-like character that would come from your life. So that's how someone can be filled with the Spirit. The question is, how can you be certain you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, it starts with the fact that you simply and, and, and just confirm your, your faith, your belief in Jesus Christ. And a life that they, how we walk in a daily basis is committed to God. We must believe the word of God. We must not only believe it, we must then obey it. And when you believe it and obey it, the result is a filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. And we know that we are walking in the Spirit because God will bear fruit in your life. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. We see in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit will become evident in your life that people can see in your life. You may not always see the fruit bearing out there on the end of the limb. But someone who's close to you will see that you are now long-suffering that you never used to be. That you are loving in certain circumstances, in certain situations that you never used to be. You used to be, you're kind now than in situations that you never used to be kind in. People will see the fruit of the Spirit bearing your life. That means you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. But not only put away the drinking, but, but be filled with the Spirit. But he also sits here in verse 19, be speaking. Yes, filling with the Spirit, but number five, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So these last three verses, we are going to see outwardly and inwardly something that should come in your life, that it should be apparent in your life daily, and that is we should be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. There should be this, 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 this joy, this, this joyfulness in your life that it just, the, the worship will come out. 
it will just be, a, it just, it'll flow. It'll just be something you'll be walking in, 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 through the day and throughout the night and going to bed or waking up. There'll be a song on your heart that have just, of this poetic words that have been put to song. There'll be this, this, these, these, these praises that are composed, that God is going to compose in your heart and you're just going to be worshiping and singing these, these songs to one another, to God. Spiritual songs, melodies will just come in your head and you'll be worshiping your Lord as throughout the day. This is someone is showing that is someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit. Because there'll be a joy deep within that it will come out in these songs of heart. Communicating to others how much you love the Lord, but also communicating to the Lord himself directly. It will just be a natural flow of worship. Remember Paul and Silas. It was midnight, Acts chapter 16, verse 25. They're in the dungeon, it's midnight. They're praying, they're singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them around them. And that was affecting those who did not know God and it affected their own heart. They were worshiping God, even in the darkest of times, being in chains and in the dark dungeon. James chapter 5, verse 13. If anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. There should be a joy that should be poured out through your heart as one that's filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 20, not only are you filled with the Spirit, not only are you speaking to one another in songs and in the singing, but we are also, in number six, giving thanks always to all things to God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only are you joyful, but you're thankful. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be joyful and you will be thankful. You'll be giving thanks to the God, the Father, of, and the Lord Jesus Christ of all that he has done and continues to do in your life. It's, it's, it's so clear that as an individual, we're so thankful to God, the Father, but continually be in all things, Colossians 3.17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says in verse 15 through 18, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourself and for all, rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and everything, what? Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do you want to know the will of God? Just read those verses. Apply the verses. Be obedient to these verses. That is the will of God. And then finally he says, and lastly, number seven, verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting. Willingly place yourself in a position of obedience. Not trying to get ahead of other people. Not trying to be first. Not trying to get your way. Not to do it your way, and everyone has to line up in behind you. But your willingness to submit to one another in the fear of God, in the reverence of God. 
the willing serving others, being under them rather than dominating them, exalting them before you even exalt them. Philippians 2.3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than himself. Submitting to one another. That means you're humbling yourself. 1 Peter 5.5, 5, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You want to know what the will of God is? Submit. Die of yourself. Live for someone else. But how do you do that? Paul says here, in the fear of God, in the reverence of God, our basis of submission is always in the first, the submission to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You cannot submit to one another until you first submit your life to his lordship. You want to know why there's challenges in your life? Most of us can examine our lives and find that we're not willing to be humble. Pride stays in the way and we're not willing to live a simple, content life that is of humbleness and submission to one another. We always want it our way. We'll, next week, we will see, Lord willing, as we continue, we are going to go through verses 22 of chapter 5 to chapter 6, verse 9, and we're going to see that Paul continues in the subject of submission, and he will take the different scenarios of your life, submission between a husband and wife, the submission when it comes to children, Submission when it comes to work environment between an employee versus employer. All of that will be lined out for us. Paul does not hold back because obviously God wants us to know where we need to learn to be submissive in our lives. Amen? But first, the submission starts with our submission to Jesus Christ. We must submit to our Lord. We must submit to our Savior. We must submit to our Master who purchased us with his own life. He redeemed us. He purchased you and me because he desires a relationship with you and I. And as we come to the table today, we come in submission to our Lord Jesus Christ. We come and we remember that he purchased us on that cross. He purchased our sins and then got rid of them to be seen no more. We come to the table because we want to remember what our Lord has done for us personally. And when we get that straight, we'll be able to then live a life that's pleasing to God. We'll be able to submit to him, but also submit to one another in the love of Christ. Amen.